righty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 473. Uh, we're recording live on Tuesday, uh, July the 14th. Uh, Brianna, how are you? I'm good. Back home, back from, you know, taking a little breather with the family, and uh, yeah, we're good. Just getting back into the swing of things. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been, as I said the other week, it's been like super hot up here in Toronto. Uh, we finally got a bit of rain on the weekend, so it's kind of taken some of the humidity out, but apparently it's going to build back up again by the end of the week. So for now, we'll enjoy it. It's just nice, warm, but not like ridiculously hot and sweaty. Um, so I'll take that. And, you know, sports is happening again. You know, Toronto FC played yesterday, so that was like you know, at least there's highlights to watch, you know, of a game, an actual match. Um, yeah. You know, baseball is gearing up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to some of that. Yeah, the Braves had their first um, inter-squad scrimmage last night. Good news, the Braves won. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we're off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. It was. It's crazy, like, I just, you know – peeked at a couple of videos and just seeing them like with no fans in the stands it's definitely different mm -hmm. but I'll take it I'm actually like interested in watching baseball this season more than I have been in the past just because I feel like it's something that could like ground me in all of the craziness <laughs> yeah no a hundred percent right like it's it's just yeah. it's, it's a we need some sort of entertainment some sort of distraction right to take us out of the uh what's going on here but uh anyhow yeah it'll I'm, I'm glad there's there's some kind of sports coming back so there you go um we've got a good show for you this week a bunch of interesting uh news across uh our industry um so i'll let uh Aubriana kick it off with uh, our first story yeah so brookfield malls or brookfield properties um, is teaming up with a company called Fitmatch. And this is actually, um, I think, a, a pretty cool solution that Fitmatch has um, come up with and built. But uh, basically, they have these spaces where you can go and get a 3D body scan. Um, and it allows you to shop for different sizes and clothes. Um, so it's like a contactless experience. You know, you don't need, nobody's in there like measuring you. Um, and they obviously, I think this is kind of the perfect storm for them right now that this happened. I'm sure they were working on this type of technology prior to COVID, but this is now, you know, I think even better because uh, obviously the challenge, especially for women shopping online is like, how is this going to fit me? Every size runs very different. You know, every brand runs very different. Um, and so they, they started out with uh, Oak Brook Center in Chicago um, that's going to open in, in mid-August, and then they are also going to have Glendale Galleria in LA and Stonebriar Center in Dallas uh, in mid-September. So, you know, I thought it was interesting because the CEO is like, I want to disrupt this archaic industry. Um, and what I think is really great about this is, one, it helps consumers, right? This is definitely a benefit to consumers by understanding their size and every different line, every different store. Um, and what you would fit in because, you know, you may be like a two in one store and a six in another, you just don't know. And so I think that's really, you know, it's beneficial to the consumer. But what I also think is really beneficial is that by understanding the different fits or like the profiles of customers that are shopping um, as a brand, you can maybe better tailor your, 
you know, your offerings, right? So, you know, if, if there's a certain brand out there that maybe needs to make like curvier or straighter, you know, jean selections based upon who's shopping in their stores, they'll have the ability to do that. And they might even have the data to be able to do that as well. Um, so they, they quoted also a, a survey that's pretty recent that said 49% of millennial consumers don't feel safe trying on things in a dressing room um, right now, even after the pandemic subsides, they won't. And that um, for baby boomers, that percentage was as high as 71%. So a lot of people are not really into trying on clothes with a bunch of, uh, you know, that other people have maybe tried on or touched. And so basically what happens is you'll get this, this fit ID and it can personalize over time. You can be fitted again if you lose weight or gain weight. Um, and what's also interesting though, is that Brookfield as a company has invested into FitMatch. Um, so I think they'll see it through to make sure that it's successful. So I think this is a pretty interesting story and a, and a win for, for both the business and the consumers. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's a it's a boon for sort of the post-COVID sort of retail um, physical retail landscape. So I, I think this is super interesting. You know, this kind of idea of three D body scanning technology has been around for a little while now. I remember a story we covered on this show. I'm going to say like two three years ago, um, and it was at Christmas time. Um, well, they actually initially did it at Christmas time, and I think they did it like right after Christmas as well. But basically, it was in the UK. I want to say Marks and Spencer, one of those uh, uh, retail brands, and they had one of these in the store. You could go in and get scanned, and then what they were doing with it was not so much fitting you for clothing, but they were creating um, little um, mini versions of you that could get turned into cake toppers or Christmas ornaments or you know, like cake toppers oh, yeah. for your wedding or, or those kinds of things, um, which I thought was super interesting, um, you know, 3D printed uh, and so on based on that scan. But this makes sense to me. And, and I totally get where they're going of, of people not uh, wanting to go into fitting rooms. They ran a pop-up shop version of this at one of their malls called Baybrook Mall in Houston last November um, and uh, got pretty good reaction uh, around it, uh, especially from younger shoppers. They said the average age of the visitors was 26 uh, coming in and playing with this. So that makes complete sense to me. Um, obviously, we're seeing you know, a, a strong movement to, to online retail um, you know, in terms of people ordering things. But I think the hassle of returns is, is always going to be an issue there, right? People aren't, don't want to order you know, five sizes of one thing and then return four. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so I think being able to kind of understand your fit, both for, you know, uh, physical retail and, you know, using that same fit online, I think sort of being able to kind of, you know, carry that across from the mall to, to the e-commerce side, I think is, you know, would be valuable here. So I hope that, you know, that's something that's part of the plan, you know, and from a Brookfield point of view, I think, you know, it's, it's a good, interesting thing to drive traffic. Um, I think it's a strong investment for them to diversify and kind of put money into into FitMatch, and I think for FitMatch this is good overall. So I've got nothing bad to say about this one one way at all. So it's good. There you go. So interesting stuff. All right, on to our uh, our second story now. Walmart um, is doing something really cool. I think uh, this summer. Um, you know, I think we, we talk a lot, you and I were talking just before the show about, you know, sort of what, what's happening with our, our kids, our families, and, you know, sort of uh, the, the boredom settling in, how do you keep them entertained, all this sort of stuff. So Walmart is transforming some of its parking lots 
this summer into virtual cinemas. Um, and so they're basically trying to create these in-person, contact-free uh, type of environments, creating, you know, they've created something called uh, Camp by Walmart, virtual camp, uh, and now they're creating sort of these drive-in movie theater type of experiences in their parking lots. Um, and they're bringing, um, you know, celebrities involved with the camping experience. They've got uh, Idina Menzel, who's an actress and singer. Neil Patrick Harris is uh, head camp counselor for, for this camp experience that they're doing. Um, and they've teamed up with the Tribeca Drive-In as well um, as a partner in this. So, so I, I think this is huge. I think, you know, how do you get people you know, still engage people in a physical space. You know, these these Walmart stores are huge. The parking lots are huge. Why not kind of turn that into something that people can gather, stay in their car, watch a movie together? You know, there's something about that old driving experience that you know disappeared. You know, you know from the way we did we did life. Um, you know that I think is is uh, makes sense in in a COVID environment. Um, and they're not the only ones doing this. Um, this is, by the way, so they're so they're rolling this out to um, 160 locations, uh, and in total, 320 overall screenings across the U.S. Um, and then uh, here in Canada, so this is not happening in Canada, but don't dismay if you live in the uh, in the Toronto area, anyways. Cadillac Fairview, which is one of the big mall operators here. Uh, is uh, that owns the Toronto Eaton Center, which is the one of the biggest malls in, in the country, Sherway Gardens, Fairview Mall, etc., are also doing uh, turning their parking lots into uh, into movie theaters up here as well. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think just the concept of this, you know, and kind of using the space um, that they've got and kind of creating a way for people to gather and have some entertainment, I think is uh, is amazing. So yeah, I love it. What do you think? Yeah, I love it too. We actually here in Atlanta, we have um, we have a drive-in Starlight Theater, and um, I mean it's been here. It's like a, you know, it's an Atlanta staple, and and it's a it's you know it's amazing. Like I remember going as a kid, and um, even as an adult, and it's just such a fun experience to like you know sit in the trunk and you know sit there and listen to the movie and and uh you know bring your own snacks or whatever and i think this is the perfect environment for it so getting out of the house and going somewhere but still you know maintaining the safety is great and i love that walmart is doing this since they have so many locations and um i'm definitely going to be checking out if they're going to be coming to an area near us it sounds like a fun activity i'm not sure that my two-year-old will sit still for a movie but we could uh give it a try <laughs> maybe she can have a nap uh, but <laughs> <laughs> you think my kid naps? Okay. Um, so yeah, I think that this is a great idea and, and I want to see like, are there more opportunities to do this? Right. And you think about lots of big areas like sports stadiums, you know, the parking lots and, um, all of the areas like around them. Um, like what could they do? Could they do, you know, a live streaming of the game so that people can actually be fans and be like, you know, contained? Is there opportunities for that? You know, yep. how can we, how can we look at what Walmart is doing and iterate on that in different industries? So, I mean, adults need entertainment too, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I said at the yeah. beginning, I'm so happy. Like there's some sports coming back, but how do we do that in a group setting? Right. Um, yeah. I think that makes sense. So yeah, good stuff. 
Um, all right, and uh, so moving on, um, we have a, a guest this week, and uh, it's actually two guests uh, this week. It's sort of rolled into one. Um, Emil uh, Davidsian and uh, Philippe Beldic, uh, who are uh, the co-founders of Blue Dot, uh, who we talked about last week uh, in their recent capital raise, um, are uh, based in Australia at the moment um, and uh, are joining us to kind of talk about uh, what it's been like during COVID times and um, what it's been like raising money and closing money uh, during those times and kind of what their plans are for the company going forward. So here they are. Uh, to share that story. Alrighty, so um, I'm excited because I get to have two guests on the show. I get a two for one today. Um, uh, Emile Davidian and uh, Philippe Eldick, who are the co-founders of Blue Dot, a longtime member of the LBMA, big uh, uh, supporters of the work we do worldwide and especially in Australia where they're both uh, located currently. So welcome to the show guys. Hey, Asif. Yeah, yeah, thanks for the invitation. Great to be here. Yeah, good to see you guys. Um, so uh, let's let's just get, get to the obvious because you know like what's the weather like in Australia right now? It's actually it's quite winter, cold. right? Uh, it's winter. It's winter. It's surprising. I'm, um, I'm uh, nestled up next to a heater that I'm trying to figure out how to convert into an actual seat. Uh, so it's a bit chilly. Yeah, we, we've gone through the, you know, fly back from the US uh, into hotter weather and then gradually as COVID's continued, see it get uh, more and more bleak with the weather. So I'm rugged up like Phil. So. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, here in Toronto, we've had an, a, like an incredible hot streak for the last like several weeks hotter than normal for this time of year. Uh, so it, it's been like 35 plus humidity, like 40 almost every day. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so it's a little a little too warm for some people, but uh, anyhow, um, you know, we'll take it because, you know, it'll be winter soon again. So uh, <laughs> at least it's not snowing. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, um, as I was explaining, so, so we've been doing uh, this whole time that we've been in COVID, we've been doing a special series of guest interviews uh, for the show that we call members at home. And so you guys are at home. Uh, what's that been like? How has it been working from home office, uh, being around family, you know, all day, all that sort of stuff? How how's that changed life? Yeah, well, well, for me, it's like, I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's um, a mixed bag, right? Like you get some good and some bad. Uh, for me, it's been nice that, you know, we're not traveling quite as much. You know, we, I think all of us traveled almost on a weekly basis for a number of years and that gets hard to, you know, that has its own impact and trying to stay healthy. So, so it's good from that perspective, you know, you can kind of take care of a few other things at home, but then just the repetition of uh, Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, day after day after day, um, you know, you've got to kind of balance that as well. So I'm definitely meditating more than I, I used to. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, but um, you know, just trying to manage that. But yeah, the lack of travel has been kind of a nice change. Yeah, 100%. What about you, Philippe? Yeah, definitely some positives, uh, you know, spending more time with, with my wife and at home is, is, uh, can, be, can be very rewarding. I think one of the challenges is to try and create a bit of difference day to day. You know, as Emil said, that repetition gets a little bit uh, stifling. Uh, so trying to, you know, find various places in the house to work, trying to work outdoors when the weather allows it, um, you know, just trying to uh, shift things up. Um, and then uh, one thing that Emil pointed out is meditation. It's something that's really helped me as well. I've been a, a, an avid uh, 
fan of it for years, but uh, it's funny just taking five minutes out of your day just to stop and pause in between just going through a bit of a rush of getting through Zoom meetings. It really helps you. Um, level set. The, prob the problem is that uh, both of us are... Uh you know, work better at night, but with the Australian time zone, you've got to get up really early and just back to back to back meetings for the first, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours and then, uh, just to squeeze them all in. So, so we're dealing with that day by day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Get that. So, uh, from a, from a work perspective and kind of connecting with your colleagues uh, internally and with clients and all of that, have you, uh, discovered any new tools, any productivity uh, insights for, for the rest of us that uh, we should be, uh, everybody should be using? Well, I think the biggest one just, uh, you know, Phil, I'm sure you've got some, some specifics. I think the big one for us has been, you know, this has been going on for three or four months now. And so, you know, the team, like everybody else, goes through stages. You know, we fortunately, we had an incredibly resilient team with a, a fantastic culture going into this. And, you know, like we always say internally, a resilient team's made through the tough times, not, you know, not the easy times. And so that gave us a good base. But like everybody, you know, you're, you're fluctuating over three or four months and making sure that uh, the team energy and communication stays up has, has been, you know, one of our big areas of focus. And, and so we've just progressively had to do you know, the, the simple things that you do in an office where you go grab lunch or you have a joke around in the morning, you grab coffee together, all those little things, well, none of that exists anymore. And so you, you do have to come up with some, some interesting ways to, to make sure that everybody's working and communicating and having, just having fun together. I know Phil's been taking care of a fair bit of that. Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of tools that can, uh, that can help and a lot of things that we found that help. As Emil said, you know, our, our team's already been distributed. Uh, you know, we have an office in Austin, in San Francisco, in Sydney, in Melbourne. So, you know, the team's spread out already. So, really had a bit of background about, uh, you know, a bit of experience working virtually. But I do have to say that COVID has really taken up to another level. Even the people who you know, used to hang out within the office together, they don't have that social element. Um, Zoom has been incredibly important for us, obviously, and uh, you know, we've used it historically for, for a long time and, and video conferencing in general. Uh, Slack, obviously. Amazing, but uh, some of the stuff that we found uh, uh, that really helps other little add-ons that try and add a bit of a human element to it. And uh, one thing that I really like that we discovered recently is an app uh, plugin for Slack called Donut, and it just randomly connects you with a team member every two weeks and sets up a virtual coffee. So we'll just do you know one-on-one -on -one coffees, just have a, a you know a, you grab a coffee, you sit down, and just have a bit of a chat for half an hour help sort of reconnect and just, you know, gets people talking a little bit and, and, and out of it. So it's, you know, it's easy to think about the big structural things and, and forget about the small things that actually create a society and a culture. And, and sometimes it's just sharing a coffee and having a chat about stuff that's not related to work at all. Yeah. And then oh, that, that. that's a good one for and then Yeah. And then just even like little ones, like there's a, a water cooler Slack channel where people can chat or at the beginning when COVID hit, um, everybody was uh, kind of, showing off or comparing their work from home desks and some of them were like beautifully decorated and others were <laughs> like on top of shoe boxes and everybody kind of got together and had a bit of a joke around so just making sure that you've got plenty of those little things as well as kind of the, the more the larger team building and and um uh, you know group meditation and and mindfulness and and all those things every day so yeah amazing amazing i love that donut though that's uh, i'm gonna have to check that one out we use slack as well so i'm gonna have yeah. to Plug that one in. Um, very cool. So let's talk about uh, the big news. Um, we, Brianna and I talked briefly about it last week on our show, but it's better to hear from 
you know, directly from you guys. So uh, big, uh, big capital raise closed, um, you know, long time coming. Uh, tell us about kind of the journey on that a little bit and uh, kind of what, what the plans are. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll, I'll kick off Phil and then if you want to just add anything on the journey. But um, yeah, so we're, we're really excited. Um, we, we closed our round and, and just uh, earlier this year and then just announced it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's close to $10 million raised, which means that we've raised uh, over 22 million US, um, uh, you know, over the past few years. And we're really excited by the investors that we brought on board. So um, a number of Valley-based VCs, including Autotech Ventures that invested in Lyft um, and Mighty Capital that invested in Airbnb. Um, and they've just been backing the company. And we also have um, uh, the, the large insurance company that's come on as a strategic IAG. And so we've got that kind of institutional backing, which which is fantastic and a really great cap table. And the big focus for us has been, um, and, and you know, this this was all kind of the, the game plan leading into COVID. Um, and so it's been nice that, to see that we've been on track and focusing on the right things. And, and really what our company exists to do is deliver a really advanced and accurate location service, a location technology for mobile that can enable contactless transactions for on-the-go food and retail. So it doesn't matter if you're driving through a whole road if you're going through a fast food restaurant like Dunkin Donuts, McDonald's, KFC, or working with one of the retailers to be able to do that contactless um, pickup of food and, and whatever else you purchased without any physical interaction in a safe and healthy way. That's what we were doing already in the lead up to COVID. And so now this is perfect timing because it gives us uh, the funds to double down on that. And, and we've been doing that over the last few months with a whole bunch of uh, restaurant brands and retailers. Um, Phil, do you have anything to add in the, the journey or the experience? Yeah, the journey was great. I'll just add uh, one sort of comment uh, that, you know, traditionally people think about raising an investment round in, in you know, this beautiful, nice environment. You raise a round, you go and you know, start hiring very rapidly, growing the team, getting results. That's still happening for us, but it's been uh, interesting trying to close, uh, you know, closing, not trying to, but closing around at the time of COVID and trying to counterbalance, you know, your need and your will for expansion and, and growth while fighting some of the restrictions that you see in, you know, in the global economy. Um, uh, all in all, uh, the, you know, we're incredibly happy that we've closed around. We're really set this up for the next, uh, the next period, and particularly. Um, you know, some businesses have really suffered uh, as a result of COVID. I think that for us, it's really reinforced uh, the need for the technology and it's really catalyzed uh, our, our, or crystallized our strategy and reinforced that what we're doing is right and that the backing behind us in this round is, is um, uh, well on the mark. Yeah, what what an interesting time to run, you know, any anybody running a business, you know, this is yeah. interesting, to, you know, euphemism really, you know, right now it's 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 uh, pretty intense and there's a lot of risk and opportunity, all that. And we often talk about pivots in the sense of, hey, you know, what is the product that you're delivering to the market and have you kind of changed course like that. But the agility that startups need to have in this environment internally, operationally, you know, we we really felt that in that, you know, you close around and all of the planning, the projections, the, you know, the hiring plans, everything like that are, are always very aggressive and, you know, we're growing quickly. And then a pandemic and a recession hits. And then you have to repurpose all of that to grow aggressively in different channels or in different areas. You know, some use cases aren't relevant. Some customers you can't target. Others you can grow more quickly. And fortunately for the location industry and for us more specifically around contactless, 
um, the market is growing. And so we've, you know, that's, that's been, you know, positive for us and give us a lot of opportunities to, to change direction. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you. I, I think I think it's creating a lot of opportunity right now. The market is growing, especially on the contactless side. I mean, there's certainly new challenges emerging at the same time. Apple, you know,'s announcement around IDFA and what they're doing there around privacy, and you know, expecting Google to follow suit, you know, uh, at some point in the next you know number of months. And and so so I think there are challenges for for certain players in the industry, but I think. All of these things create opportunities. All these things, I think there's consolidation, you know, coming and, you know, within the location industry for sure. Um, and I think, you know, you, you need to be well capitalized to, to survive in that environment, right? And, and to take advantage of that environment. So, uh, for sure. Um, what's, uh, you know, if you put uh, the crystal ball out and you kind of gaze into it, what do you guys see as sort of next for uh, for blue dot um you know like I, let's say a year from now what what's what, what would be the new thing that uh, we don't yet know about so uh, and I'll, I'll jump in hey. here with a, a couple of things so I, I think that there's you know at a high level there's one thing that's uh, that's becoming more and more important not just for us but for the whole industry as well it's driving technology and use cases that deliver value to the end consumer. And that's really, you know, why we're here as, as a company. It's what we try and do with the use cases that we power. It's, it's, it's why we build that technology. So over the next year, what we're looking to do is just really build new, new technologies and, and power new uh, use cases that really deliver that, that, that human benefit and, and that human element. If you do that, one, you're going to build a, a resilient bit of technology that, and business that withstands, you know, any disruptions to the economy or what have you. And also, it's going to drive adoption, uh, particularly in light of the restrictions that the operating systems are bringing in. Uh, one of the new features that we have uh, that we just launched is uh, called Tempo, and what it lets us do is uh, understand that you know, if someone's placed an order, for instance, for a retailer or a quick service restaurant, it gives uh, the restaurant an understanding of not, uh, not just you know, historically as it is when a user arrives to pick their good up, but also of the user's journey a step before that from when they place the order as they come into the restaurant. So what we do is we take uh, a you know, location from the device and we run it through, uh, uh, through some algorithms and we'll determine what is the estimated time of arrival uh, for a customer coming to a store. Um, and we take into account, you know, traffic uh, conditions and then a whole range of other things. What this means is that you know uh, restaurants and uh, uh, particularly you know if you think about it, COVID uh, as a response to COVID, restaurants can understand when a user is coming, have the order prepared, sitting ready on the window, uh, and the order is in the best possible condition. You know, not no warm ice cream, no cold burgers, just everything is right there at that exact perfect moment for the customer to come and pick up their order. What this means is that you're delivering a, a fantastic experience for a customer and particularly a, a, a zero contact experience where a customer can, you know, just go throughout their day, grab what they need and limit that interaction and that risk that they hold. So this is, I think, really a driving point for us over the next year, both technologically and, and uh, in, I guess, imperatively for what we want to do and which area we want to play in. Yeah, and that, that's exactly right. And, and I think that that fits perfectly in the context of what how the industry is changing overall as well. You know, um, you alluded to it before, Asif, but we've seen over the last year or two how much the industry has changed. And last year we we wrote an article we were like, oh, this is the end of the Wild West for the location industry, where you had 
you know, fragmented players, ton, tons of players that were just, you know, yeah. collecting data in the background and, and, and a lot of, you know, selling it to advertisers. You know, the, you just can't do that. And we saw with GDPR, with the New York Times articles, yeah. with the changes to the OS, all of that, right? Where everybody's seen that. And that trend has just been accelerated. What would have taken another year or two has been accelerated overnight by COVID. And for us, from the very, very beginning of the company, we were at the opposite end of the spectrum. It was all about individual humans having private, it's more than just privacy being on and off. It was having, using the accuracy of our technology to deliver relevance and, and, and privacy protection value. to consumers. Yeah, yeah it's a, even, even definitely about value, but also a, around understanding that privacy is contextual and personalized, right? And so we're excited to see this trend now pushing our industry because I think that this is the only way that we're going to have a sustainable industry in the future. And so we're we're excited by this. Obviously, it's gonna it's growing pains for an industry like anybody else, and some some companies are gonna suffer more than others. And we saw that recently with with some issues with Tim Hortons um, uh, in the press recently. But you know, this is just part of the industry, and we need to understand that there is a minimum threshold that claims around privacy aren't good enough, there needs to be some proof, you know? And so, so I think this is all, all positive. And so this contactless solution that Phil's talking about, I think Phil be, feeds nicely into this. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your, uh, your schedule. I know it's busy um, and I know it's, uh, you know, we're, we're in opposite ends of the world right now as far as time zones are concerned. So I appreciate, uh, uh, you know, making the time to work this out and coming on the show. Uh, as always, thank you for Blue Dot's uh, continued uh, involvement and support in the LBMA. We uh, we love you know working with you guys and having you involved. So thanks, guys. Uh, stay safe, healthy, well, COVID-free, all those things uh, over there. Um, yeah. Will do. Likewise, thanks, Asif. Great stuff. All right, thanks, guys. We appreciate you coming on and uh, joining the show in our Members at Home series. And uh, we wish you well uh, as you continue to grow and uh, expand um, the product and the company uh, with the new funding. So congrats on that again. All right, on to our uh, final story. Yes, so final story is a big announcement we have. Um, Uber has acquired Postmates. Um, so this is a big deal, right? There's been constant battle on the food delivery uh, and convenience apps that are available. And um, it was a $2.65 billion all stock deal. So um, all on paper here, but this came just after Uber was not able to acquire Grubhub. Instead, um, Europe's uh, Just Eat Takeaway acquired Grubhub for $7.3 billion. Um, so this is like a, a big, you know, a big deal here, I think, because you think about what's going on in COVID and obviously Uber in the midst of pandemic, their ride sharing and um, ride hailing app is obviously drastically down. They lost three billion last quarter. So, you know, they're trying to, I think, diversify and, um, you know, divest where, where these investments are going and Obviously, food delivery right now is a is a hot uh, item. You know, there's a lot of contactless delivery item uh, options, um, and so Uber Eats business grew 53% or 52%, um, which obviously is helping to offset these big declines on the ride side. Um, so I think this acquisition obviously will be favorable for them. 
And they say that for now, they're just working on Postmates app is still going to be running as Postmates and Uber Eats will still be separate. They're just working on some stuff on the back end and technology kind of streamlining everything. So we'll see what the future of that holds, but pretty big announcement. A, a huge announcement for, for that industry. And, and yeah, I mean, especially right now during uh, this COVID time, you know, the, the demand for delivery services, the need for restaurants and businesses like that to uh, be able to, to kind of stay open and still generate some revenue um, Maybe they weren't even doing this before, and now they are, because uh, they can't have people physically in their in their in their restaurants and so on is huge. So um, I think it's interesting that uh, I mean I get that they're keeping sort of the two companies uh, separate for now. Um, I like that they're sort of working on the back end to have kind of one pool of drivers potentially kind of servicing both businesses. In some ways, I like at least up here, you know, just seeing some drivers move around and stuff I've ordered, like a lot of the drivers here work for more than one service anyways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out at the driver level. Like, does this mean they're going to ask drivers who are doing Uber Eats to only do Uber Eats or Postmates and that's it? And, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to be permitted to, to do other work. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how it plays out at that level. Um, but, it, you know, uh, I think from streamlining the technology and the fee structure and kind of, you know, coming up with ways to bring those things in alignment, I think that uh, there's there's some good potential work to be done there. Um, and who knows, they may not be done yet. Like, I, I, I get the feeling that, um, you know, there could be uh, other acquisitions still to kind of further consolidate the market in, in the uh, in the North American space uh, as well so we'll see yeah. right I mean like from a technology point of view I think there's so much opportunity in this area right now because uh, yeah. even even here like we saw uh, just last uh, it was a week ago here in Toronto uh, they announced that like the major grocery chains here uh, are now working with uh, with Uber and Uber Eats for delivery, which is huge, mm -hmm. right? Because they either had their own thing going before, um, mm -hmm. or and Uber has historically not been in the grocery business here, um, and now you know like that's that's fully come come together, right? So not only mm -hmm. are they working in the restaurant space, but now they're even you know working directly with the largest grocery chains to do grocery delivery. So. Maybe they could deliver like home COVID tests. That would be amazing because it seems so complicated to get that done. <laughs> well, yeah, especially in, in your uh, in your part of the world. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, mm -hmm. percent. Well, right. that's our show for this week. Uh, you've been listening to episode number four hundred and seventy-three of Location Weekly. We thank you for your time. Um, we know. Um, it's a commitment uh, each week to uh, to take time out to uh, to tune in. So we appreciate that. If you have story ideas, please please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, if you have feedback, uh, we want that too. Um, so give us some likes, some comments, some whatever uh, on whichever platform you're consuming this on. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week as per usual with yet another show for you. So thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.